Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you had a, I want to say a wonderful week, which is true, because we can have a wonderful week in the middle of all the mess that we're in. In fact, uh, one of the things that my wife has been uh, looking into is an uh, uh, online Bible study for the ladies. And you might have seen the advertisement, and you can talk to her about getting a book and, and so forth. But it's kind of the, the journey of what we've already studied here is the book of uh, uh, our, our Joseph's story and just everything that he went through and him not choosing to go through any of that. Uh, yet uh, the Lord allowed him to go through that mess uh, to get him in the place where he needs to be. In, in many ways, it's, it's like the mess the Lord allows us to go through as, as human beings to get us to a place to, to kind of wake up, which is kind of <clears throat> interesting because oftentimes we choose to go away from God. Like you've chosen to be here this morning, which is, which is a great and wonderful thing uh, to get into God's word. You know, not necessarily to see me up close and personal on, on whatever device, TV you're looking at, but to get close to the Lord, to, to enter into his word. You're choosing that. And so often many people choose the desert. They choose a place to, to go away from God, and then when something negative happens, they don't know what to do, and, and, and the Lord's trying to draw them back, just like He's trying to draw us here on earth back to Him, and to, to in a sense, wake up to what, uh, what is going on in this world, and how He can be of help on that. So why don't we pray as we uh, get, into, get into Galatians this morning. Lord, you, uh, you are our only hope. We come to you in a time of need. We come to you in a, in a time of not understanding how and why and what. But we understand that you are the hope. You are the hope of our lives. That we have a future. You have a plan for us. And through that plan, Lord, we can go out into this world and, and change people and, <clears throat> and bring the good news to others. The good news that, that you started on the cross. But more importantly, you rose from the grave. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for caring enough about us to go through that so that we have hope in this world. And that hope relies on Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's get into the Word this morning. We're going to be in Galatians 3, 1 through 5, and we've been studying this book that Paul's been writing, and, and uh, you know, usually Paul is, uh, uh, Paul's one of those writers that, that just embellishes and keeps going on and on, and is very, uh, you know, at one point he's very complimentary and loves the guys, but in other points he just goes straight to their hearts, and this is what he's going to do this morning. In fact, it says here, in Galatians 3, 1 through 5, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish that after beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by the means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you a spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law, or by you believing what you have heard? Now we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks, but, but really I, I got a question for you. Have you ever been to a county fair 
where they had a hypnotist there, you know, that does the whole thing and gets people kind of, you know, everybody gathers around. He's on stage and he selects some eager volunteers uh, to come up and be hypnotized and and really do embarrassing things. Uh, You know, all the while the crowd kind of just laughs at them. I mean, it's really funny in, in one ways, but it's very bizarre that he can do this. And the crowd, they just absolutely love it. But to me, the most disturbing thing is that people volunteer for this. They beg to get up on stage. Here, pick me, pick me. Knowing they're, they're going to be behaving like absolute fools. It is this word that Paul uses in the first verse of this chapter. He writes back to his friends in Galatia. He says, you foolish Galatians. Who has, you know, who, who hypnotized you idiots? Who, who has done this to you? Are you completely out of your mind? What were you thinking? See, Paul loves these guys. And sometimes you have to talk this way. Uh, if you talk this way to somebody all the time, then maybe you need to tone it down a little bit. But sometimes you just have to be blunt. You just have to lay it out there. He's trying to wake them up. He is saying, who cast a spell on you morons? You know, back when, when we were with you, and I was with you, and my friends were with you, the way we taught you, we painted a very clear 3D portrait of a very real and vivid and brutal crucifixion of the only Son of God. You were saved by this overwhelming realization that, that a terrible t- price was paid for you so you could enter into the kingdom of God and be sustained in that kingdom through eternity. Some of you were saved out of Judaism, the hopeless dependency on on keeping every single law. And others of you were, were saved out of amazing and terrible and demonically inspired idolatry. When I was with you, you gladly allowed yourself to be rescued. From all those things, you know, after we shared the truth with you about Christ's death on the Jerusalem cross for you. Even even though we were a thousand miles away from Jerusalem and 20 years after the crucifixion of Christ, it was like you were experiencing and we were experiencing the crucifixion right there. As we discussed and and had conversations about what Jesus did on the cross, Jesus' death was, was just as real to us as it was to the original folks who saw it. So why now? Why have you changed Why would you willingly submit yourself to something much less? After all that Jesus suffered, even after all that that you suffered by publicly confessing Christ Jesus as Lord instead of Diana and Zeus and, and Caesar, and you Jews, you were ostracized by your fellow Jews. After you said that Jesus was not the the only Jewish Messiah, um, or not only the Jewish Messiah, he was the only Son of God, part of the Trinity, God came to this earth, and your family shut you out of synagogue after that. Why in the world would any of you who have gone through so much now reduce ourselves? You have personally benefited from, the, benefited from the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit who was transforming us every day. Remember, that's exactly what he's been happening. He changed us because of him. 
You started acting more and more like Jesus without all these extra rules. You started obeying them without knowing the rules. In fact, you allowed the Holy Spirit to transform you each day. Each day, the Holy Spirit reformed you of your old sinful ways of of talking and, and behaving. You didn't need all the rules and regulations. The Holy Spirit was changing you from the inside out. So tell me why now, Galatians? Tell me why now you're convinced what we had in Christ and what was flowing through our fellowship every time we gathered. Why is it not enough now? Why would people who experience the supernatural allow themselves to be hypnotized by the flesh? The flesh, you know, that, that, that uh, behavior is being dictated by human beings and not by the Holy Spirit. Your every mood is being called out by the religious hypnotist who is controlling your whole group. And you're all acting the same way. The world is watching and wondering what is happening. You know, they're sitting there looking at you going, that group, they, they used to be something. And now look at them, they're acting just like us. I mean, there used to be in your church, there used to be slaves and rich in the same service. There were Jews and Gentiles, you know, mixing among themselves. There, there was male and, and female sitting on the same row of, of uh, you know, the pew or the chairs. <gasps> you know, there was young and there was old. But now you've gone back to separating everything. You're starting to go back to obey those Jewish rules like, like you've turned into clones, like we talked about last week, instead of following the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is it about grace, or, or what is it about grace that's so amazing that you can't hold on to it now? Why has your whole group decided that the Holy Spirit can't speak to them personally, dynamically? Why did you volunteer to be a puppet at the county fair? Why did you choose to group think instead of being led by the Holy Spirit? Let me ask you this, Paul says in verse 2. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Did you put your faith in Jesus? Because you can't have both. Are you going to perform for the religious approval of people or return to how we were following the Holy Spirit's lead as he miraculously transforms our minds? He transforms our motivation. He, he transforms our thoughts and our words and our, and our actions. He transforms our decisions. He transforms our relationships. He transforms our community. You see, the Holy Spirit had turned us into something the world had never seen. But now, you've turned it into something that, that the world sees all the time. You know, Paul asked them, are you really that dumb? Have you, you know, having begun by the Spirit and, and now you're finishing by the flesh? Have you begun, perfect, uh, you know, per- perfecting your, your own rule keeping after the Holy Spirit gave you it as a gift? How could you have started out so strong in faith, but now so concerned about keeping all the plates spinning? I don't know if you've ever seen a, a plate spinner. You know, they, they get on that pole and they start spinning those plates and they set that one down. And then they go to another pole and they start spinning another, you know, another plate and they get all these and they have to go back and keep that one spinning. And that's exactly what they were doing. Paul is saying, didn't we begin with mercy and grace? Wasn't that working well for us? 
You knew we needed it every minute. I mean, we've talked about this. We began in the Spirit and by the Spirit. We talked about Him, you know, constantly. We lived in Him. We found our identity. Our very breath was the Spirit of God. But apparently that is all over for you, you knuckleheads. What the Spirit began so beautifully, you foolishly decided after I left to to polish and adjust and change and to codify by reintroducing centuries old and worn out rules of religion. You know what I think you did? You left Calvary and you returned to Mount Sinai. I think you, you, you papered an empty cross with hundreds and hundreds of, of commands and new rules that are impossible to keep. You know, it's interesting, in another letter, letter the, uh, the Apostle Peter says it like this, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he says, what do you think Jesus told me to teach you? Uh, or why, uh, you know, why did you want me to te- why did he want me to teach you this stuff in my B.C. days? I kept the religious rules better than, than all of you combined, but you, but you don't have any idea what a messed up man I was before Jesus wrecked my life and built me back up together again. Here he asked the Galatians, his Galatian friends, how in the world did you think you could add anything to the cross? And why in the world would you try? Why would you try to improve on what Jesus offered, what, what the Father offered, what the Holy Spirit was doing in us on a daily basis? Took the work of Christ on the cross and, and transformed us into his likeness so we can spend an eternity with our new adopted Father. You know, what happened to wanting to do things Jesus' way? You know, loving your neighbor. The Spirit is, is, is changing you daily, but now you have these ungodly Pharisees influencing you. And I'm not there to fight for you anymore. So I'm having to, to write this letter to you. Paul goes on and says, get away from these people. They are wrecking what we had. Paul says, I'm asking you a simple question. Why did you tire the Holy Spirit? Why did you tire of allowing him to control who you are, your thoughts, your words, your deeds, your actions? How could you allow them to lead you away from the, from the green pastures, the, the cool water, and the wonderful shepherd? Why do you prefer to go back to the barren desert, trying and trying and trying to, to keep all these rules, walking through the wilderness, when the promised land is, is right over there across the river. The weird thing about you guys is you were in the promised land and you chose the desert. What is wrong with you? So often we do that. We, we, we're in the promised land. We're with God and we choose to cross that river back into the desert. Paul says, but Moses, God's chosen or uh, uh, other people would say, but Moses, God's children, wrote the Ten Commandments. Are you arguing with him? You're not going to argue with him. Surely not, Paul. And Paul re- responds, no, I love him like I love Jesus. In fact, let me quote Moses on this topic. In Deuteronomy 32, it says, He is the rock. His works are perfect, and his ways are just. 
A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just as he. Verse 5, they are corrupt and not his children. To their shame they are warped and, crook, uh, warped and crooked generation. In this way you will repay the Lord, you foolish and unwise people. It is not your father, your creator, who made you and formed you. This is the same message from Paul. It is like he could be right here today talking to many of us because many of us have received this wonderful and amazing grace. And over time, man, we've been devolved back into a, a joyless, powerless, something else religion that has very little to do with what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. Man. See, the problem with a lifetime of mercy and, and grace put into our lives and forgiveness and all that comes with that is that over time it leaves us with a feeling that we're not doing enough or we're insecure and for some reason it feels better to, to start spinning those plates again. The sweat makes us feel like, like we're more saved. The, the stress of trying and trying and trying has an appeal to us. Bad religion draws us back to, to where the Holy Spirit can't bless us. And he refuses to. He, he's not going to reward those kind of actions that go completely away from God. He sent Jesus to save us from that. Now, when we first come to the Lord, many of us know that, uh, that we need plenty of mercy and grace. So in the beginning, it's really not an issue. Uh, we realize, man, if God doesn't do this for me, I'm going to hell. And I don't want to go there. So give me all the mercy. Give me all the grace. Give me the forgiveness. But then, for some reason, it becomes more difficult over time. We start to want to pull our own weight. It's like we're embarrassed at, at how much grace and mercy uh, we still require. For some of us, it boils down to really a control issue. We've kept our hands off the controls uh, for the rest of our, uh, you know, our lives. Uh, you know, that's the idea. But at first, it's a relief and like being pulled out of a ditch by a tow truck. Man, I, I'm glad you're here. I don't know if you've ever wrecked your vehicle. And he's like, okay, now, now that we've had, you know, you've had a wreck and, and, and stuff, I'm going to drive for a while. And we're like, okay, okay, I need to heal anyway. And after a while, we start to feel okay. And you're like, okay, okay, I'm ready to drive. Give me back the control again. I want to make my own turn, turns, my, my own plans. What is weird, that many, weird is that many of us fall back into religious behavior. Just tell me the rules, A, B, and C, and I'll follow those rules. And before you know it, we have this powerless experience and wandering around. And we start to ask, where is God? Where did he go? We start to look around and, and find that God is, is not in the car at all. You see, God is like Dad. He always gets to drive. If God is in the car, he drives. I don't know about you, but I grew up like this, and, and, and for some reason it's kind of been adopted into my family, long trips. I just feel more comfortable driving. In fact, I, I go uh, uh, normally on a family trip once a year up to Canada, and what's so funny is my brother's the same way, and, and I fly into like Madison, Wisconsin, and then we drive up to Canada from there, and, and he drives the whole way. And, and he, he let me drive from the gas pump to the front of the store once, but the rest of the time he drives. It's kind of like that. When, when God is in the car, he drives. He doesn't even call shotgun. Why? He doesn't even know what that means. Paul says, I don't get you guys at all. 
He was driving us down the road, and, and, and you guys, you kicked him out of the car. I think you've gone mental, he says. You've made it. You turned your back on this sweet, miraculous, wonderful life we had. Why would anyone treat the New Testament like it was the Old Testament? So what is our goal in, in life as Christians and as a church? Is it to have everything all together and be spinning those plates really well to, to impress others that are around us? This can be so destructive to the kingdom of God. Our message is simple. If you are messed up, come join us. Come help us. Come receive the mercy and grace that God has for you. Because the gospel is good news. So the good news is something that everyone believes in and, and everyone believes is good news. So if the Apostle Paul were here today in 2020, would he be complimentary of us or rebuking us? How you started is not how you turned out with grace and mercy. Or would he say, man, you guys are doing great. See, this is what Paul said to the Galatians in verse 3. And, and really, this is what the Lord is saying to the Galatians. After beginning by, by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? The Holy Spirit was in charge. Where did he go? And why are you trying to do it all? How about we call on the name of the Lord to be saved and be continually saved by him? You know, there's a, there's a town in Germany, in, in Heidelberg. Um, at the center of the whole town is this church. It's the Holy Spirit Church, it's called. And it's an amazing cathedral in the middle of this town by, by the river. And once a year on Pentecost Sunday, a dove is released inside the building celebrating the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a big deal in this town, but after the ceremony, the few people actually showed up to church, joined the rest of the town who's been partying all night. And really, the building has turned into a cold building. It used to be very beautiful, but over the years, the lack of people has just turned into an old building. And the birds will, will, will peck on the windows from the outside, and this is really a picture of the Holy Spirit. Pecking on the window, tap, 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 trying to get in. We have to think. Does this represent our own lives, our own family, our own group, our own marriage? Have we started to, to polish up in the flesh what was started in the spirit? See, it wasn't started by us. The spirit changes us when we become a Christian, and over time, we just start to rely on ourselves. Paul says, Who has bewitched you? You are being foolish. Don't resist the, the spirit. The spirit wants to, to fill us up. He wants to impact our world. Hey, you know, are, are we on that track or not? I would love to, to say we are. But I would love someone like the Apostle Paul to come through, someone of stature, and say, yes, you are, or no, you're not, or hey, work on these areas. Paul would say, only fools would fall back in love with the religion they left behind. Only idiots choose the, the dry and powerless and, and barren over their miraculous and continuous power and guiding and healing and directing of the Holy Spirit, which is a gift not only you know, to the brand new believer, but to the entire church. We have a chance to wake up here, folks. 
This virus has given us a chance to to slow down and to think, are we living for God or not? What are you doing during this virus time? Are are you just just trying to make it, trying to get through? Are you thinking about your relationship with God at all? Are you spending any time with the Lord during this time? You know, it seems easier to to be a, a baby believer, to receive, you know, what the Holy Spirit has for us than to be a believer that that has been walking with the Lord for a long time. You may have people in your life who who think you have it all together. And it's hard to say, I need a personal revival in my life. To, To say it's been dry and barren for a long time. I've gone back to the desert. And this study through the book of Galatians helps us think about our lives and the direction of that life. In a later book, the the Apostle Peter is going to say it like this. He's going to say, this faith was simply given to you. And then he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory, his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to consistently respond to God's promises. You see, that's the part we struggle with, don't we? Sometimes it gets tiring trying to hear and follow the Holy Spirit's direction. In the end, many of us find out that, that keeping some rules, learning religious words and actions and behaviors, is just sometimes flat out easier than following the Spirit. Because following the Spirit becomes work. We constantly have to pull away from things, from, from distractions, from TV or social media or phones or, or even our kids. We need to unplug enough to to be able to hear from God, and and that's challenging. It's challenging to live out the rest of our life in in the Spirit. It's challenging to live out the rest of our life in, in God's grace. It's challenging to live out the rest of our life in God's mercy. And then to allow others to live out their life without judging them. Now, don't get me wrong. The Apostle Peter, Jesus, the disciples, uh, the Apostle Paul, none of them advocated a sinful life. Paul took people to task for their actions. He warned them. You see, the Son of God died to cover your sin. The Son of God was resurrected to lead you into a new life. The Son of God ascended into heaven where he is interceding for us and preparing a place for us. The Son of God is going to return. And he sent his Holy Spirit to help us and to guide us as individuals. Not just the prophets and the priests and and the kings of the Old Testament. Every single individual now becomes a priest, a prophet, a leader, a receptacle for the Holy Spirit. A temple where the precious dove can be released to fly around inside 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and people flock to see it. You see, the Spirit of God is available to help us to guide us, to heal us, to transform us, to change us, to give us hope and to give us comfort, to give us strength. 
and a plan for our lives. But it's scandalous. See, the religious people are the ones who argued that sinners, you know, sinners didn't argue with Jesus. The religious people would argue with, with chapter 3 of Galatians. They would say, you know, but the word scandalous comes from the word scandalon, meaning something big a, a person trips over. It's obvious to everyone it is there. I mean, I have kids, and, and, and sometimes it cracks me up. They'll pile so much stuff in the walkway. It's so obvious it's there, yet they'll still trip over it. The other night, the, the kids wanted to uh, sleep in our room, and the little one's up in the... Uh, no, I think this night they were both on the floor in sleeping bags at the foot of our bed, and I got up in the middle of the night and couldn't sleep for a second. I start walking through there and I stepped on my son's foot because it was sticking out in like in the walkway well that's not obvious but the word (coughs) the word scandalous the word scandalon means it's so obvious see the reason grace is a a scandal is because the religious people would say uh, would still say alan you're preaching too much grace all the all the christians out will go out there and they'll sin too much but you know what I haven't found that to be true. I've never been able to to preach too much grace. But really it is the older Christians who go out and sin too much. Those who who just come to know Christ still have the wounds of addiction, the the baggage of sin from a recent divorce or other sin, and and they know what sin does and how much it destroys and, and hurts them and hurts other people. And they don't want to go back into that, which grace has, has saved them out of. What Paul is trying to do is to teach us how to have grace, to stay soft toward the Holy Spirit and soft toward everyone else. Paul is teaching us a better way to completely receive and live in the real righteousness. Real righteousness stays fresh with constant communication and direction from the Holy Spirit, which gives us the right amount of mercy and the right amount of grace and the right amount of correction in our lives. What did John say of Jesus? He said he's full of grace. He also said he was full of truth. How can you be full of two different things? Well, Jesus was. And the closer we get to Jesus, the more we're like him. The more like, you know, we become full of grace and full of mercy and full of truth and, and full of all those things that we're going to talk about later in Galatians, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. But correction and rebuke with a hug coming all at the same time, that can be powerful. This God we serve is powerful. When we allow God, when we trust God, the sweet, gentle grace of God that he gives us with love. The question is, are we willing to receive it? Am I willing to to let him lead me back into grace and allow this book of, of Galatians to lead us back into that place where God is? Where God is. And that's really the ultimate question that we have. Are we allowing God to take us back to where he is, allowing the Holy Spirit to, to pull us into being with him. Too often we decide the desert is better. Why do we decide that? Well, the world just gets us down. And we finally decide, I have to do it all myself. I've got to pull myself up with, you know, by the bootstraps in a sense. But, but the problem with that is we leave no room for God. 
And God is calling us. He's calling you. He's saying, where are you? Come back to me. Allow my spirit to bless you. Allow my spirit to to work in you. Be more like me. But with the help of the Holy Spirit. Because when he says, be more like me, we say, well, I can't do that. And he says, you're right, Alan. You can't do that on your own. Yeah, there's no way. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, you're becoming more like me. And that's the good news. And that's what God is calling us toward. The good news. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you so much for your grace in our lives. I thank you so much for the mercy that you've given us. There's so many times when we've just flat out screwed up, Lord. We've messed things up. Sometimes it's small things. Sometimes it's huge things, Lord. But you're willing to be there. You're willing to help us if we allow you to. Draw us near, Lord. Help us not fight so much. It's hard to be drawn by you, Lord, and I pray for your help in that. Pray for the people out in this world right now, Lord, that need to hear the good news, that we may be the vessel that they get to hear the good news from, because you are our only hope. In this world that's so torn down by by not just a virus, but, but by sin, Lord. Sin has overtaken this world, and you are the only hope. And let us be out there saying, let me give you that hope. And that hope comes through the one God, the one Lord, the one Jesus, who died for our sins. Lord, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for giving us that grace and that mercy and that peace in our life. And I pray, Lord, that that no matter how anything turns out in, in the middle of all this mess that the world is going through, that you be the center of our life because that's what matters the most. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine down upon you and may he never leave you. May he bless you and your family. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.